This week, Reverend Wendy continues her series, From Struggle to Well-Being. This series is based on the book, What's in the Way is the Way, by Mary O'Malley. How is everybody today? You good? Okay. You ready to talk about how life is for you? Or actually, I guess that's not a good question, since I'm doing the talking and you're doing the listening. But that's the active and important part, is you listening, not just really to what I might share with you, but really listening in to what your own inner guide, your own inner teacher, whatever you call that, would, would share with you. So we have been exploring, and we're almost done in our exploration of Mary O'Malley's book, What's in the Way is the Way, a Practical Guide for Waking Up to Life. A Practical Guide for Waking Up to Life. And today we're going to be taking a look at different phases of consciousness, why it's important to understand something about the map of consciousness, and the overarching theme being that life really is for us. I want you to say that with me right now. Life is for me. Together, life is for me. Life is for me. Life is for me. Now, there are certainly times in our lives that it is easier to understand that truth than at other times. And in those times in our lives where it's difficult to understand that, or we might even find ourselves resisting that, it's in those times that we want to try to take a deeper look, a broader look, a clearer look. Life is for you. It's about recognizing that everything that's happening in our lives has at its heart the purpose of helping us wake up a bit more. Everything. Everything that is happening in our lives has as its purpose, at least one of its purposes, to awaken us a bit more than where we are right now. And when we listen to that process of waking up, the waking up is more joyful and gentle. But when we're not paying attention to that waking up process, that which is trying to get our attention gets louder and louder and louder and louder. How many of you use an alarm clock to wake up in the morning? Quite a few of us, quite a few of us. My alarm clock is one of those clocks that starts off quiet. And after I tap it the first time, if I don't feel like getting up, I get up very early. After I tap it the first time, it'll let me snooze for a little bit, but the next time it comes on, it comes on louder. And I find myself hitting it a little harder. <laughs> and I snooze maybe a bit more, and then it comes on even louder, to the point where it can get a really ugly, awful sound, where you absolutely want to get up just to get the thing to be quiet. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for how a lot of life works for us. And that is that life feels much more like a struggle to the degree that we are ignoring, denying, or resisting those subtle whispers, those subtle wake-up calls, until they become louder and louder and louder trying to get our attention. There's another way we talk about this idea in the metaphysical world and in a world in which we are looking at the future of humankind. We call them evolutionary drivers. 
So this wake-up process happens on different levels. This wake-up process happens, is meant to happen individually, but it also is about waking up collectively, waking up as a society. And much in the same way in our individual lives where we get wake-up calls prodding us to, to awaken spiritually, to make higher choices, better choices, so too is that happening on a grander, more societal level in some of the very real, painful, difficult situations we are seeing ourselves in, whether as communities, country, nation, or the global family as well. All of these things that we hear about in the news that trouble us, that challenge us, have the potential to be the very drivers to pierce us awake as a human species, to begin to recognize and see ourselves through new and different eyes. It's about an evolutionary process, if you will, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. As I was getting dressed this morning and looking over some of my, my notes and thinking about some of my thoughts, I was reminded of a verse from the book of Romans in which it says, and we know all things work together for good, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's a rich teaching there, meant to really be understood and really to be unpacked. All things work together for good. That's not saying all things are good. There are plenty of things we can point to in the world that are wrong and are not good. But what the teaching is, is that even those things, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? For those who love God, to me to love God is to love the principle, to love the presence, to love the, the, the infinite wisdom within each and every one of us, the very presence and power of life itself. To acknowledge that, to know that, to feel into that, and to be called into living from that awareness. And to the degree that we do, we begin to wake up. To the degree that we do, we begin to be about evolving not only our own consciousness, but helping to evolve the consciousness of those around us. So we've been exploring together Mary O'Malley's book, What's in the Way is the Way, and this theme of life being for us. And she says, this way of living, this way of living where we look at everything in our life as potentially awakening us in consciousness, in spiritual consciousness, that this way of living is very different than the usual way of living. Would you not agree? It's very different than the usual way of living. She says, most folks live from the belief that life is something that is happening to them and it needs to be controlled, fixed, or changed. And then she, she challenges us and says, but can you imagine, can you imagine living in a different way, can you imagine a life where you're not resisting life, the energy of life, but you are trusting the process of life itself, you are understanding the wisdom of life itself, you are understanding that life is conspiring to awaken you and everybody else. But in this process of awakening, we need some sort of roadmap. 
We need a way to kind of understand where we are in this process. She suggests that there are six phases to awakening or six stages of consciousness. They are the consciousness or the phase in which we feel that life happens to you. The second, that life happens by you. The third, that life happens in you. The fourth, that life happens for you. The fifth, that life happens through you. And the sixth, that life is you. Does that sound familiar to the four phases of consciousness that we, in unity, have taught for quite some time? Those stages being, life happens to me, life happens by me, life happens through me, life happens as me. When we have a, whether you like the six or the four, used either one of them. I'm gonna talk about the six because we're setting her book. But when you have a map to kind of see how consciousness unfolds and what one does to move from one level to the next level to the next level, it helps you to see where you are in any given situation, in any given moment, so that if you see where you are is not where you want to be. You know what you have to do to make a different choice. And we're gonna talk about the things that you have to give up in one stage to move on to the next stage. So these first two, another thing about the stages of consciousness that's important to realize is they are not like black and white start and stop. There's a lot of kind of bleeding over from one stage to the next stage, and another really important piece to understand about how the um, expansion of consciousness works is that it's not that once we step into the higher states of consciousness that we are always going to operate from there. How many of you have had a peak moment of awareness and awakening in your life where you just Boy, a lot of hands, wonderful. Where you just know that you know and all of these spiritual ideas have just clicked. And then have you had a moment that maybe happened not too long after that moment where you fell right back asleep? Maybe your, your computer stopped working or maybe you were stuck in traffic or maybe you just got really disappointing news and it's like, how could I have gone from there to here? So these stages of consciousness are not... Um, permanent. We move in and out of them. What's important is once we understand them and once we understand how to move into those higher states, it becomes a little bit easier to stay up on the higher level a little more often. The other thing that we need to understand about how this evolution of consciousness works is that we may be really good at being at a higher level a more awake level in a particular area of our life and not so much awake in another area of our life. There are people who are so awake and so aware spiritually when it comes to relationships, when it comes to interactions with other people, but their finances, forget it. Their health is challenged. Other aspects of their life aren't working. And then there are those who 
are highly evolved in consciousness when it comes to the physical state of well-being. So it's important to realize that it's not a simplistic black and white, it's a roadmap to help us understand where we are so that we can consistently practice being at that next higher level. Why is that important? It's important for our own growth and development, and it's also important for what the second part of our mission statement is about. Because we are here not only to work on ourselves and transform our lives, but we are really here to help facilitate that happening all around us. Does that make sense? Okay, so Mary O'Malley says that there are these six phases. She says that the first two phases, the phases that life is happening to you and life is happening by you, that these two phases of consciousness are phases in which we tend to be much more outer-directed and outer-directed in a couple of different ways. In the first phase of consciousness, which is really where we're quite asleep, that we are in this state where we feel like life is happening to me. I, I always seem to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Things just, bad things just always happen to me. It's very much what we might say is a victim state of consciousness, is a state of consciousness in which we feel a lot of powerlessness and it's a state of consciousness where we tend to be outer-directed in that we are looking outside of ourselves and we are very much either denying what is transpiring in our lives or we are blaming somebody else, something else, government, whatever. In order to move from that stage of consciousness to the stage of consciousness that we would call life is happening by me, I've got to give up a couple of things. What do you think I have to give up? I have to give up blame. I have to give up blame. I have to give up blame. I have to give up shame. That means when I give those things up, I begin to accept responsibility. I begin to step into a sense of awareness. It's not complete awareness, but it's more awake than the state in which I'm feeling as if I'm powerless and life is just happening to me. In that second stage of life is happening by us, it, the first time we step into that, it's a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful feeling. We begin to feel like we are co-creating our life experience, that we are able to make a difference. We're able to bring about change. We're able to manifest. In fact, in some teachings, it's called the manifester consciousness. However, run amok or not allowed to, to grow and to continue to expand, this state of consciousness can very quickly and easily come into a state in which we are um, exercising uh, tremendous willfulness. The ego is just enormous. We are trying to control and make everything happen. And it can also be very exhausting. We think we have to do everything by ourselves. It's our power, it's our way, it's just our thought. We can bring about some change, but at really significant price. She says the next two phases of consciousness, life is happening in you and life is happening for you, are stages that require of us a certain amount of curiosity. And I like that, think about that. In life is happening in you, there's a certain curiosity that's needed. She says, in life is happening in you, you realize that most of the time, your suffering doesn't come from the experiences of your life, but rather from your stories. 
about what is happening. Oh my gosh, she's so right about that. She's so right about that. Think of the last time you were in a lot of internal turmoil and angst over something. As you think about that, check into whatever the internal dialogue was about that. You weren't experiencing it directly. You were probably experiencing much more your story about it than it. Have you ever had the experience of being afraid of something that was about to take place in your life? Raise your hand if you've ever had that experience, yeah? The feeling of being afraid of what is about to happen and the story we tell ourselves about what might happen is almost always way worse than the actual thing when we get into it. Can I have an amen to that? So when in the world will we stop that nonsense? Huh? When will, we, when will we stop that nonsense? When will we quiet that voice? Send that voice, that storyteller to voicemail and never pick up the message again. In that fourth stage of life is happening for you, we begin to move into a different state of curiosity. We begin to move into a state of curiosity where it's almost as if we are able to step aside a little bit from whatever is going on. It's not that we're denying it. We're not resisting it. We're curious about it. We're willing to experience it. But we also know that we are much more than whatever it is. She says, in life, in the stage in which we understand that life is happening for us, we realize that our life is a highly intelligent unfolding that is putting us in the exact situations we need. Wow. It is saying when we are in that awareness that life is for us, we are recognizing that we have called into our life experience on a soul level, on a soul level, we have called into our life experience those situations, those people, those challenges, those joys, those opportunities to open us up and to awaken us. It's the gentle alarm clock, if you will. The alarm clock that's saying, come wake up. Come see and understand a little differently. Come and be with me and trust. To move from this stage to the, the, the highest stages, we have to give up this sense of separation. We have to give up this sense that we are somehow separate from this energy, this presence, this power that we call spirit, that we call God, that we are not separate from it. Paul said, we live, move, and have our being in it. It lives, moves, and has being. It lives, moves, and has expression in and through us. In these stages where we are awakening to the realization that life is happening through us and life is happening as us or life is us, that sense of separation just begins to drop. We begin to experience life directly. We begin to drop the kinds of judgments that are based on the level of appearance 
so that we can really understand what is at work and where and how we are being invited to step and to grow. In her book, Mary often uses the statement that life is trustable, that life is trustable. She doesn't, she's not referring to life on the simplistic level. Whenever she writes, life is trustable, it's always with the capital L, life is trustable. It's another way we might substitute the word, the universe, the divine intelligence is trustable. It is pointing to the idea that there is something operative in the universe that moves through us to the extent that we are open to it and aware of it, that is trustable, that is intelligent, that is informed. And when we understand that and we yield to that, our life will work so much better. How do we know that there is that, that I'm talking about that exists, that there is this intelligence, that there is this wisdom that is attempting to move through each and every one of us, how do we know that? Well, one of the things we can look at is a very real and measurable phenomenon of evolution on a physical level. We know that all species that exist today have evolved from earlier versions of itself, successfully evolved, or that we, they wouldn't be here today, right? They had to evolve based on the environment that they found themselves in, the threats, the challenges, and so forth. But what is also true is we are evolving as well. And I don't just mean you and myself as individuals, I mean us as a human family, that we are evolving. Think about it from this standpoint. The you that is sitting here right now, the me that is standing here right now, is the result, the successful result, of four and a half billion, four and a half billion years of evolution. Four and a half billion years of evolution. The world that I think you and I want to co-create together, the world that I think you and I want to live in, a world that is more loving, that is more peace-filled, that is more kind and just, that world is not going to happen if we remain at the level of consciousness that we are in right now. That deserves an amen. amen. It is only going to happen as we do what we can within ourselves to evolve our own consciousness. In the same way that our physical being has been evolving, we must work at the level of evolving our consciousness. And we actually can do that, and I believe that we are doing that. Evolution is a very slow process. Have you noticed that? A very slow process. But that does, should not ever be the reason that we stop. What's that, that saying that, that speaks of the idea of abundance and prosperity is the idea of planting trees under which, whose shade you will never sit. The idea that the work that we do to evolve our own consciousness helps to evolve the consciousness of humanity. We may not see the end result of all the things that we hope for 
in terms of a world that works for all with no one and nothing left behind, but we are a piece of the evolutionary trajectory or the evolutionary thrust to help make that happen. And I've got to believe that you sitting here in this room care about that. It becomes real in the way that we live it in our ordinary lives. Just as Mary O'Malley said that this way of living, this way of understanding is not yet the norm, we are the pollinators of a new norm. And if you ever feel where you work or within your own family that you're an alien, I'm glad you are. Because we don't need to be speaking to the choir. We need to be helping to, to demonstrate what a higher consciousness, a more aware consciousness, a more awake consciousness looks like in those places where it seems to be not practiced at all, in those places where it seems to be not present at all. So life is trustable. There is something at work that is growing us. I guess that's the bottom line. There is something at work that is growing us. And I ask you to join me in joining with it and trusting it and let it grow you. Let me close with a few words from, from Mary. She writes, what would your life look like if you understood that the same intelligence that keeps the planet spinning, that heals the cuts on your skin, and that brings spring forth out of winter is with you every step of the way? That's powerful. That's powerful, and it's true. It's true. Can you open to the possibility that this creative intelligence is weaving your life out of the primal opposites of dark and light. And it is giving you exactly what you need in order to evolve from unconsciousness to consciousness. What would it be like if you understood that the same awesome force of evolution that created this planet and brought life out of the sea and onto the land is working its magic in your life? life. You would live differently. You would choose differently. You would never give up hope. You would never give up believing in what is possible. You would not be pushed by pain. You would be pulled by the vision, the vision of what's possible in your own life and the vision of what's possible for us as a human family. Namaste. Many people enjoy Reverend Wendy's talks and meditations and aren't able to attend the Unity Center in person. If you're part of our extended family from around the world and would like to help support the Unity Center, please go to our website or download our free app, which offers even more ways to connect with the Unity Center. Namaste. Namaste.